The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Taz Show with Superwoman Wellness, where you know that on every episode of this show, I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Joining me today for a very important topic is James Sexton. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Since the day he was sworn in as an attorney in Brooklyn in New York in 2001, James Sexton's skills as a trial lawyer and courtroom advocate have rapidly thrust him into the forefront of the New York State family landscape. Described by some as compassionate and a dedicated advocate and others as a courtroom gunslinger or the sociopath you want on your side. Oh no, should we stop this? Sexton has captured the attention of the New York legal community and the results he obtains for his clients in the courtroom and at the negotiating table speak for themselves. James, welcome to the show. Your book, How to Stay in Love, caught my attention when we were both interviewing for the Goop podcast recently. And I thought this was an appropriate topic. You have so many accolades with all that you've done in your field as a family advocate, as a divorce attorney and family law attorney. And I want to welcome you to welcome you to the show. So welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I'm glad we had a chance to do it. I, I know we've talked about it and uh, I'm really glad it happened. Definitely. And, you know, um, this is something really important. This show is called Superwoman Wellness. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I have sat in my patient rooms with so many women, many of whom are navigating various stages of their relationships falling apart. And I get to be on the receiving end of what that does to their health. So, you know, what that does to their numbers, their chemistry, their mental Mm -hmm. state, and so much more. And you're on the other end of kind of watching this whole thing fall apart and kind of crumble. And at some point they get to my exam room. So we're both in an interesting position. And one of the things that, and I'm a child of divorce, by the way. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that um, I became very passionate about through my childhood. And even now, as I continue to hear stories from so many people is that you know, you really have to be healthy to have healthy relationships and you Mm -hmm. have to be able to put all the pieces of your life together to find your power because when you don't, that's when you sort of flounder around. So this is such an important topic because I think that over, what is it? You probably know the stats better than me. Almost 50% of the population gets divorced. We have 53% of marriages end in divorce. Yeah, How how much is it now? 53% of marriages end in divorce. And if you really, if you think about it, the goal of marriage is not to is not to just not get divorced. I mean, the goal of marriage, uh, in theory, is to uh, you know, out of the seven point three billion people in the world, find one that you enjoy being with for that that specific kind of relationship. So, if you think fifty three percent actually divorce, let's be generous and say another ten percent stay together for the kids or financial reasons. I'm sure it's more than that. Now we're talking about sixty three seventy three percent of 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 people participating in an activity. Um, it doesn't work out the way they wanted it to. And I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying about sort of the interplay between physical wellness and the stress of something as as massively stressful as the demise of a relationship, particularly a married relationship, you know, which is a, a much more, you know, there's more ties that tie you together and it's a much more complicated thing to untie. And And sometimes the advice I'm giving as a divorce lawyer is terrible human advice. It's great legal advice, but it's terrible right. human advice, you know? Right. And, and, and so it's great when I think we have interdisciplinary conversations like this, where you have someone who works on the mental health side of a person experiencing the trauma of a divorce 
talking to someone who works on the legal side of it. And that was really what the goal of my book was, was to integrate those two concepts a little bit. So I think it's such an important issue because, I mean, I can speak firsthand on the ramifications of divorce and what it did to the three of us as as sisters and how our lives played out after that. But what is happening? So you grow up and you think you're going to find the person and, you know, the wedding's a big deal and people spend tons of money on the wedding and all this happiness, flowers and hearts and candles and all that other stuff. And you get down the road and things fall apart. So what do you think is happening? Has this always happened, but people were afraid to get divorced in the past? Is this institution, as some say, you know, I'm in a very happy marriage, so I don't agree with the statement, but I'm Mm -hmm. going to say what what I've heard is that the institution of marriage in itself is outdated. What do you think is going on? Yeah. So I, that's a great question. That's probably the most important one. I mean, I think in, in the field of divorce and, and I would say a couple things. So I think the fact that your, your brain went right to the wedding and talked about how, you know, the wedding is this, this event and this incredibly special opportunity. And, and it really is. I mean, listen, even as a divorce lawyer for 20 years, I, I love weddings. I mean, right. I, get, I get misty eyed at them and I always have this, feeling of tremendous optimism and excitement of like, oh, it's going to work out. You know, like I, I love it. You know, I want it to work right. out. And, you know, when we talk about the statistic of divorce, 53% of marriages ending in divorce, an equally interesting statistic is that 86% of people who divorce are remarried within five years. Wow. So that's people who've been through it already and they go put, you know, let's put lay another hand down. Let's do it again. And that tells me something about how important this particular type of pair bond is, you know, that, that, that how much we want it, that we'll, we'll risk so much to have it. Mm. But I think, you know, your question really gets to the core of, you know, in this increasingly curated world we live in where everyone's on their social media showing you how happy they are and how wonderful their life is and the best pictures of them and the best moments of their life. You know, divorce is a tricky thing because you, you, get married, no one ever gets married with the intention of getting divorced. So you can't pretend you meant to get divorced. It's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a failure that you, you cannot deny if you get mm-hmm. divorced. You can't say, oh yeah, we always, we just meant to stay married for a few years. You, you meant to stay right. married forever. So at some point you lose the plot. And the question really is, is, is why are we with increasing frequency losing the plot? And, and what I try to say in the book, you know, from my observation, not as a mental health professional, but as a lawyer, who's on the front lines of this and talking with people very candidly about what's going on with them emotionally and, and personally when they're getting divorced is really that, that I think no single raindrop is responsible for the flood. I think that we fall in love very fast and we fall out of love more slowly. And, and mm. we, we have these small disconnections along the way. And then at some point we turn around and just go, well, how did I get here? You know, how did I get this far away from this other person? And, and I think that what I try to do in the book is talk about those micro disconnections and how we might control for those and, and, and have a kind of preventative maintenance. Because, you know, the worst time to, to, for example, figure out how to argue with your spouse is in the middle of an argument with your spouse. Right. The worst time to think about what do I want out of this marriage is when it's already gone south. You know, mm-hmm. like if, if, if my sister's a dentist and mm-hmm. so my I husband. learned a lot. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And I, I learned a lot about what I do for a living by talking to my sister. Cause she used to say to me, by the time you have a toothache, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff I could have done for you before, but once you have a toothache, 
the, the infection, the rot, it's, it's so far gone that I can't say to you, okay, brush with this toothpaste and do a little different with the flossing. So that was what I wanted to do with this book is, is kind of say, look, by the time you're sitting across from a divorce lawyer, you've made an appointment and you're sitting here and have paid a consult fee and are ready to move forward with a divorce, we're pretty far along. Even some people might say by the time you go to a couple's counselor because you're fighting, right. maybe you're really far along. But we don't encourage people to say, hey, work on preventative maintenance. Maybe see a counselor while you're getting along so that you can stay. You know, we all know from, from decades of health research it's a lot easier and it's a lot better for you to maintain a healthy weight than to gain a bunch of weight and then try to lose that weight. And then maybe you gain it back and then you lose it. Yo-yo dieting is bad for your body. Whereas maintaining a healthy weight is a fairly easy thing. So what I was trying to say in the book and, and what I hope is the message that resonates with people um, is, is this idea of when it's working, that's when we should be looking at it much more closely. Whoever discovered water, it wasn't a fish. You know, when you're in something, you don't see it clearly. And, and I, my goal was to say to married people, hey, step back and say, what was the problem to which marriage was a solution? What, why did I get married? Like you mm-hmm. could have been together and stayed together. We live in an evolved society now. It's not as overtly religious as it once was. So right. you can live with someone, have children with someone and, and not have to marry them. So you married them for a reason. What was it? You just wanted the party? Because you can throw a wedding and you don't a have wedding. to legally get married. But you know, the truth is, if that was the answer, you, have you ever at the end of the wedding said to someone, um, may I see the marriage license now? I'd like to just confirm that you in fact uh, legally uh, signed right. marriage license. Because you can have all the weddings you want and not actually be legally married. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I don't think it's just the party. I think it's that people are saying, hey, I, I want this very specific right. legal status. I want to feel like I'm very special to this person, not just emotionally, but legally. Mm-hmm. And that I have a status that, that no one else has as their spouse. So I think why not ask those questions? Why not be the fish looking at the water instead of the fish that's just in it? I think that's so important, but I think people get lost along the way. I think most people, I mean, I could be wrong, but most people, in my opinion, enter marriage with the right intention. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you may not know why you're getting married or you're married for the wrong reasons or things like that. But I always think the intention, you know, like many things is where it needs to be. But what are those micro disconnections that you talk about? What are the things that kind of fray at that initial joy and that initial yeah. happiness? What kind of tears two people apart over time? Yeah, I think there's a lot of them. And I, I try to go into, into a number of them in the book, but, but the ones that spring to mind for me as the most common offenders um, are, are, are usually well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody sets out to ruin their marriage. Right. Um, just like nobody sets out to become overweight. I, I think you, it just, you make some choices and the choices seem to make sense. And then you turn around and they have unintended consequences. So for example, I think that, that from a, a, uh, a personal standpoint, when you're married to someone and they're doing something or they have a habit or a behavior that kind of rubs you the wrong way, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very reasonable to say, well, why should I have to live with this for the rest of my life? Why should I not have a voice and be able to say to this person who's my partner, hey, I don't like that you're doing this, or I don't like this trait that you're displaying or this behavior that you're engaging in. Um, and I'm not talking about like domestic violence behaviors, you know, dangerous behaviors. I'm talking about, right. you know, things that just annoy you that your, your partner starts doing, you know. Um, and I think that, that we then 
kind of constructively criticize our spouse. And it's become really something of a trope. Like it's something very, if you watch any sitcom, it's always like the wife's like rolling her eyes at the idiot husband or right. the guy's like, oh, the ball and shame needs me. Right. You know, like it's become kind of right. acceptable to take the piss out of your spouse a little bit. And the problem with that is I, I don't, constructive criticism is still just criticism. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that one of the things we want from our romantic partners, whether we acknowledge it or not, is a cheerleader. We, we, want, we live in a world that feels antagonistic so much of the time and, and we're so criticized and we feel such pressure and stress that having someone who really has our back and who admires us and who finds us attractive and, 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 and having desirable personality traits is, is a hugely important thing. So um, one of the things that I talk about in the book is, is sort of using behavior modification with your spouse instead of criticizing them. So mm. I talk about, and the example that I give is that I, I was in a, in a relationship some time ago with a woman who, um, I'm a lawyer, so you know I, I, I have to wear a suit most days. I haven't during this COVID pandemic for a couple months, but right. um, I usually have to wear a suit for court. And I'm clean shaven because you know you usually want to present as as, as uh, sort of wholesome as possible to a judge. Right. And I was dating a woman who. On the weekends, I tend to not shave just to give my face a break for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And she didn't like the feeling of my stubble. It like kind of irritated her skin if I kissed her or whatever. And in, she basically said like, oh, you know, like I hate when you have that, all that stubble, you know. And of course, what did that do? That brought out in me something very defensive, mm-hmm. you know, where, well, you know what? I have to shave five days a week and I want to just two days. I just want to take off from that. And you should be happy that I'm kissing you anyway. Like, you know, like why would you criticize <laughs> me for that? Well, so that really should didn't work out. And I, I dated another woman who had a, a similar, she didn't really like my stubble. But instead of approaching it that way, without me realizing it until in retrospect, what she did instead is I would be shaving and she would come up to me and she would say, she'd like rub my face and she'd go, oh, I love when you're clean shaven. Like, it's so sexy. Like, you look like Don Draper from Mad Men. I just like, oh, I think it's so sexy. Right. I would have shaved five times a day. I was wow. like, oh, look at it. Watch me. Shave. I shave again. Look at this. You know, like wow. I would have been happier. So. What did she do? She did the same thing. She, she asserted to me what her preference was. And she was seeking for me to change my behavior. But, mm-hmm. but she did it in this positive way that, that left me feeling good and, and, and positive about the interaction. And I think there's a lot of things in marriages that we can do that with, that we have opportunities to do that with. So those are the kinds of things I talk about. I mean, there's all kinds of ways, though, that we disconnect from our, our spouse or partner that are unintentional. I mean, I think, you know, I talk a lot about sex in the book because I do yeah. think sex is, sex is the glue and, and, and it really does help keep a, a marriage together and a partnership together. And it differentiates you from being roommates. And one of the things I talk about, for example, is that people unintentionally, I think, sabotage their own sex lives by, by perfectly well-intentioned behaviors, which is you, you first have a sexual relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. And you throw everything at them that you've got. You do every fun thing you could think of to try to figure out what they enjoy. And then you figure out what they enjoy. You figure out exactly what this person likes. And so then what do you do? You, you use the greatest hits. I mean, you, you know, mm-hmm. listen, when I go see Bruce Springsteen, I want to hear Born to Run. I want right. to hear Born in the USA. Right. I want to hear Thunder Road. So mm-hmm. he plays those songs. If he just got up and played all different stuff every time, I'd be like, I don't know if I want to go see him in concert. So you, you throw your greatest hits. Well, what happens now? you now have a routine where, where everyone's doing exactly the same thing. And to some degree, once that routine solidifies, if one of you does something different, it actually creates like a, hey, what was that about? That's different mm. than what you usually do. Mm. And so 
that's what then makes people start to feel like their sex life is in a, in a rut or in a routine because it's predictable and it's always the same. And, and, but again, with good intentions. Right. So one of the things I talk about in the book is how to, how to communicate a little better with your partner. Because fundamentally, I think all problems in marriages stem from two problems. One, we don't know exactly what we want. And two, to the extent that we know, we don't know how to communicate it to our partner. And so I really try to talk about approaching both of those problems, which are separate but, but tied together problems, figuring out what you want, what you need, and then figuring out a way to convey that to your partner. So interesting, because I think when you think about marriage over the long span, we change, right? We evolve, we change, 100%. we want different things. I mean, I'm certainly not the same person that you know my husband married, but we've changed sure. together. How, like, are there warning signs? Is there like a roadmap, so to speak, where people who aren't conscious of this, like they can like have a plan almost, like here's your action plan. Just like I give somebody in the exam room, here's your action plan. These are the five things I want you to do. You know, in a marriage, are there like certain, you know, certain like things that we have to be doing maybe on a monthly basis, maybe on a Mm -hmm. quarterly basis, a yearly basis to check in with that other person? Because what if we have done the work, we know what we want, we know who we are, but the other person's floundering and we are unable to communicate and instead something destructive happens, you know, and I do want to get back to sex because that's something I see in the exam room all the time where women are checked out and they're checked out for different reasons. And I'm curious what your perspective on that is. But anyhow, the first one of just like, like what do you do? Well, I think, I think it's a great question. And I think that, that it would be great, wouldn't it, if there was just a roadmap that we could hand people. Just like if I came to you and I said, um, can you give me a roadmap for my health? And you go, oh, yeah, right. here's all the things you have to do. Thanks. See you later. But right. the truth is, is a good relationship with a physician or good relationship with a mental health professional is, is usually an a invitation to a way of communicating and checking mm-hmm. in, right? right? So maybe that first visit, like I, have, I go see my physician once a year for my comprehensive physical, mm-hmm. and then we lay out a plan. And then we have periodic meetings to check in. Okay, where did you meet? Where did you hit it? Where did you not? What new issues, if any, have come up? What's changed the game now in terms mm. of what we should and shouldn't be doing? So I think it's more important to, to talk, to, to create techniques. Like I always say, have a conversation about how to have the conversation. Have a conversation yeah. about exactly what you said. We're evolving. We're changing constantly. And we're dealing with new... Listen, two months ago, we all had a plan, right? Oh and gosh. then COVID hit and that right. plan's out the window. Right. You know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your right. plans. You right, know, there's no, exactly. There's absolutely no way you could have a rule book that's going to cover it all. So, right. so what do you need? You need to say, look, when one of us feels something, even if it's small, while it's still just a seed before it grows, let's find a way to check in, whether it's a weekly walk and talk where we just mm. go, hey, let's talk about what we did. Tell me three things I did right this week. Tell me three moments where you, where you felt great about being with me this week. I mean, I'm sure you've seen as a married person, I'm sure you know lots of married couples. I've been out to dinner with, with people who are married and you kind of get the sense they don't really like each other no, very totally. much. Yeah. But someone says, oh, how did you guys meet? And then they tell the story of how they met. And you watch them both soften tremendously. Yes. Because when there's just something about that, like this transports them back to these people that they were. And so to me, that's tremendous value. That's capital. So use that capital. If 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 you say to your husband, tell me, I want to tell you three things you did this week that made me fall more in love with you. I want to tell you three things. Like one of the suggestions I I I put in the book for, for men in particular is I say if you're 
when you're leaving in the morning, if you leave for work or whatever, leave a note, mm-hmm. just leave a note, just a short little note that just says, I just want to tell you how much fun it was last night hanging out with you, or, you know, I just, I can't wait to see you tonight or whatever. These small little gestures make us feel loved, keep us connected. And they also create the opportunity for us when we do have to say to someone, Hey, you, you did this thing and it felt weird with me. And I know you didn't mean it, but it just sat weird with me that, that then it doesn't feel like an attack because this person knows you're open with the praise and you're going to be candid with, with not criticism, but with, with your concerns. And I, I think that's really the goal is that the way to deal with it is not to have a roadmap, but to know how we're going to, we're going to adjust our, our, our movements based on the changing conditions. I like that. I think that's so important. And I think that, you know, many people that I meet in relationships, they get into a rhythm and a routine and they don't know how to break mm-hmm. that rhythm or that routine. Right. And the next thing you know, someone's done something drastic and there's no turning back. Right. What's right. happening with sex when you see it in the in the room, in the mediation room, yeah. or the courtroom or things yeah. like that? What do you think is yeah. happening there? And how much of that is responsible for these relationships falling apart? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a chicken or egg effect you know, there that's difficult because people come in all the time and they say, you know, I'm getting divorced. Why are you getting divorced? Oh, cause you know, he's cheating on me. Uh, right. Okay. Well, but then you dig a little deeper and it's like, well, he's, you know, why is he cheating? Well, we haven't slept together in six months or we were having sex once every three months. Okay. Mm-hmm. And why was that? And usually, well, because you know, like I just don't feel connected to him or oh, he right. just doesn't show me any affection. So I don't right. feel romantically inclined. So it's like the truth's at the bottom of a bottomless pit, you know, and, and, yeah. and it's easy to just go, oh yeah, that was what it was. But I, I don't know that it was, that's the marriage killer. That's the thing that was like the impetus for change, but I don't think it was the root problem. It's a side effect of the problem. Yeah. So, so what's the root problem? I think the root problem is relationships are, a, I think a spiral, you know, and it could be a spiral of goodwill or mm-hmm. it can be a spiral of negativity. And the spiral mm-hmm. of negativity is, well, I'm not happy. So why should you be happy? You know, or, well, you weren't nice to me yesterday. So why should I be nice to you today? And mm. well, you weren't nice to me today. So why should I be nice to you tomorrow? Well, you weren't nice to me yesterday. So, and, and all of a sudden everyone's evil. You know, I want to go out with my friends tonight. Well, I haven't been out with my friends in ages. Right. All right well, you're right. Let's right. both be equally miserable. Then, uh, you know? So instead that. it can go in the other direction, which is show kindness, love, affection, admiration, praise, you know, desire for your partner or spouse and, and feed that. And then hopefully it feeds the other person. I mean, what is sex, but a dance, right? It's, 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 you know, who leads and who follows. And it's, it's really a process of two people giving each other pleasure and taking pleasure from the pleasure of the other person. And so if I'm very focused on my partner's pleasure and my partner's very focused on my pleasure, we're going to have a great time. I don't have to worry about getting my partner focused on my pleasure. I focus on my partner's pleasure and hopefully my partner does the same thing. And now everyone's just winning because they're giving a pleasure to me makes me want to give them more pleasure. Hmm. And that's really that spiral working in a positive way. But I think it's very tempting when you have the disconnection that people are going to always have from time to time to to get into the opposite loop. Which yeah. is, well, why would I do that? You didn't do this for me. Or, right. Well, you didn't please me. Why should I please you? You know, and pleasure doesn't have to be like, we don't, sex doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, if you're not being kind to your partner, if you're not being affectionate to your partner, 
and you just sort of come in and are like, hey, how come you're not meeting my sexual needs? It's like, well, you're not meeting my emotional needs. You're not meeting my romantic needs. You're not meeting my communication needs. So that's a conversation I think people have to have courageously. And ideally, when it's still working, you know, like, what are your expectations? What, what makes you happy? What puts you in the mood? What makes you feel good about me and romantically towards me? And I think that, again, when you're having that abundance of optimism and goodwill that people have when a relationship's working, when the tooth's not aching, that's the time to map out how you're going to do this. Oh my gosh, such important stuff. How are we doing on time? Oh goodness. Okay, I want to touch one more thing before go I have ahead. to let you go. And obviously we all need to read this book. The book, by the way, is How to Stay in Love. And I'm assuming it's available anywhere books are sold. It's but everywhere. Yes, it's everywhere. That's great. So you, you, I think every woman and every man. Too, and listen to me talk for eight hours. So. Oh, it's awesome. I think it's, I mean, it's a problem and it has... It has lasting, I'm a grown woman now, but I can tell you, you take me back to that time with my parents and you'll have me upset in about two seconds. I mean, I think it has lasting, lasting repercussions for all of us. So, And it's not just divorce though, marital conflict in general, because there are just as many people that their parents stayed unhappily married and in a conflict-filled divorce. And they are, the studies all show, you know, there's great book, The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce that talks about it It was a long-term study. And it shows that children of conflicted marriages where they didn't divorce, but they just stayed quietly resenting and hating each other or fighting actively, that that's toxic for people as well. So it really is not about not getting divorced as much as it's about staying happily married. Yeah. And then that happiness reflects in the energy of a family for sure. You know, so I think it's just such important stuff. So let's touch real quickly before I have to let you go. And I want all of you to read the book for sure, because I'm telling you, I've lived this one. I, you know, I have other family members going through this. This is something that really tears apart the very fabric of the entire wellness, health, all of it. Because when you're dealing with this Mm -hmm. and you don't fix this fundamental relationship, I feel like everything else kind of crumbles underneath. But uh, money, where does money play and how do we deal with money? And this is so interesting for this time, right? Because we have Mm. all different dynamics with money. We have the Mm. classic, you know, the husband earns, the wife stays home. We have situations where the woman is now the breadwinner. We have equal contributors now. So what is money doing to the fabric of marriage in this modern age? I'm so curious. Yeah. I I mean, I think money is is a tremendous source of power and of conflict. And so, you know, like any power, it can be used properly or it can be abused. And I think that you know, money is just another kind of commerce. I mean, we all have power in our relationships. Sometimes it's economic power. Sometimes it's it's sexual power. Sometimes right. it's, you know, the power of, of, of the, the, the intimacy we have with someone mm-hmm. that can be weaponized. You know, it can mm-hmm. be used in a negative way instead of a positive way. But, you know, money is a tremendous issue for people because especially in times like we're in right now where, where there's economic uncertainty, there's changes happening in the stock market. People's yeah. retirement accounts are changing. People's employment. We have 30 million people went on unemployment uh, in the month of, uh, of, of April. Um, so I, I think that it can cause tremendous stress between people. And again, it's a source of tremendous potential conflict in a marriage. So it's one of those things that, again, in advance of having the problem, you need to have conversations about how we're going to do this. How you know When you marry someone... You're, you're not just having a sexual partner. You're not just having a romantic partner. You're having a travel partner, a roommate, a co-parenting partner if you decide to have children together. Mm-hmm. You're having a person who you vacation with. You're having a person who you have economic ties with. So we really need to get out of the binary mindset of, okay, if a person's not the perfect partner, friend, 
vacation companion, co-parent, roommate. If they're not all of those things, they're terrible. They're not my soulmate. I did a terrible job and I should get rid of them and get a new one. I think we have to look at it and say, okay, all of these spheres are going to be important. And, and, you know, it's become very out of vogue to say that you should marry someone who knows how to cook, you know, that, mm-hmm. but, but, but the truth is, is you're going to eat with your spouse probably as often as you're going to have sex with them, if not more often. Mm-hmm. And probably you'll still be eating regularly with them when you're in your seventies and eighties, but maybe right. not having sex with them as right. often. So <laughs> it's probably not dumb to like, look at your spouse. Cause the things that make a good boyfriend or girlfriend might not be the same things that make a good life partner, a, a right. person you marry. So I would say economic habits is a huge piece of that. A lot of times people do not kind of properly broach those subjects before they're married. And if you have someone who's a spending person, who's comfortable with the debt structure, and you have someone else who's very conservative about money and afraid of debt, that can be a really toxic combination. And again, that starts that spiral we talked about where you make me feel unsafe financially. So I'm not going to feel romantically about you. Now you're going to feel unsatisfied sexually. So what do you do? Maybe you go and act out by buying new things. Now the problem got worse because now we're in worse debt. So we've got this vicious cycle that could have been prevented if we were just a little bit more mindful of where are our hot buttons, where are our strengths and weaknesses, where are our partners, and how do we communicate about it? Wow, this stuff is gold. So important. Money, sex, communication, all the things to help a marriage stay healthy. It's not even staying together, just staying healthy and vibrant right. and thriving right. instead right. of you know going down that negative spiral like you talk about. James, thank you so much for taking time out to join Great me to today. Be here. If somebody wants to reach out to you, wants your advice, what's the best sure. way for them to connect with you? Our website is NYC, like New York City, NYC Divorces, plural, D-I-V-O-R-C-E-S.com, where you can find me on Instagram at NYC Divorce Lawyer. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today and for everybody else. Great to see you. Yes, stay safe, stay you. healthy. We'll have, to, we'll have to connect again. I had like 50 more Love questions to. that we didn't get Anytime. to. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> for everyone else, thank you for watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Remember that we are on Spotify as well. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time.